Welcome back to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I am Charisma I am Angelica Yard. And every week we are here bossing so hard, talking to you about entrepreneurship and life and balance and just all of it, trying to get through 2021. And we are already in March. I've got to say this year has gone by faster than I thought it would, even though January was like 800 years long, but February was kind of quick. So like, I'm kind of in a good mood about it, but I'm also like, I feel like this is going to be an emotional month because it's March. So yeah. How are you feeling? <laughs> now we're going. Um, if you are new here, uh, I am a branding strategist and that is what I do. I feel like we never talk about what we do for the podcast anymore and we should. We don't. I was actually just thinking, I was like, I would really like us to interview each other and maybe we will do that. Maybe I will schedule that in because that's something we talked about like five years ago because people have requested it and we've just never done that. So I think like maybe a whole episode where I interview you and yes. you interview me. But yes, no, continue you're talking what you do. No, and you're talking fine. What what I, I want a company with my husband called Sevenality. It's a brand strategy company. Uh, we do all kinds of things. I'm a graphic designer by trade, front-end developer. So a lot of design, a lot of development, but we have been doing this for 15 years. So we are elders. We do a lot of consulting, just do a lot of different things, wear a lot of different hats. And that's kind of where I'm coming from in my perspective. I will try to do like a little short intro in each episode. And I'm trying to learn how to be a better podcaster. So stay with us for this, right. you know, this transition as we're trying to be more concise and more accurate and try to give you guys the information that you need and charisma what is it that you do so my career has been about the same time frame but it's been a little bit more varied so I started out um, as a photographer uh, doing a lot of wedding photography boudoir and family sessions mostly in the central Florida area a little bit of travel um, also did some cool stuff like album covers got published by MTV and a few other really cool things that were on my photographer bucket list um, and I eventually kind of stepped back from that and started taking on 20% of the capacity that I was doing before so that I could do branding and social media with small business owners. So basically, um, especially a lot of people that were first kind of coming into their brand for the first time, first starting a business, I would kind of guide them and, and handhold them honestly through that process because it's a lot when you're first starting out, you don't know what's going on. And so we build that brand out and, you know, I teach them the basics of social media and how to use social media, uh, to kind of up the game with their business because I built my business, like my first business photography completely through social media, no paid ads or anything else like that. Um, so yeah, so I was doing that for quite some time and uh, then doing Disney weddings because I stepped back from all weddings. So I was only doing Disney weddings and then the pandemic hit. Um, so not only did I, was I not able to do weddings at Disney because the MBA was at my hotel, um, but I also was not able to really work with as many brands because again, I work with newer business owners, people that are opening up businesses. And there was a little bit less of that uh, happening during the pandemic. Um, so, and a lot of people that had small businesses in Florida were not able to receive like the types of grants and loans that they were supposed to get. So basically I pivoted into being full-time with my small shop, Kisma and Charisma, and did that for most of the year of COVID. And then funny enough, opened up a nonprofit, which is something I've always wanted to do since I was 14. It's called Love Doesn't Hurt. And that has been a big part of my work day now. So I pretty much um, do interviews and create programming and 
social media and all sorts of random stuff for the nonprofit during the day. And then about three o'clock, I switch over and start pouring candles and packaging and stuff like that and do that until like eight o'clock. So <laughs> it's it's very fun and varied because uh, I don't like to stay bored. So. Yeah, no. And I, I guess I do own a store. I forget about it all the time. Yeah, you do own a store as well. We like that was such a big part of our narrative like last year and the year before is really focusing more on our product-based businesses because we've both been service-based for so long and there is such a difference. Um and so we've been really able to explore that a lot on the podcast, especially this past year. So if you haven't been listening and you are starting a, a product-based pod a product-based business or you would like to, I would definitely recommend and go back because we really dive deep into our product-based businesses this past year. Yep. So yeah, stuff, stationary greeting cards, uh note cards, mugs, prints, um, a little bit of everything, getting ready for spring launch, which I cannot believe already. Um I know. physically i'm tired so that is kind of i just really need you to put the moon print on everything by the way like i do expect like that you will put it on everything like i want it on a tote bag i want it in a mug i just want it on everything like just that's what you should get me for all presents from now on is just a different moon printed <laughs> thing and i just want my own moon print collection it's fun because between like you and like nick and melissa like i have a lot of like custom type stuff that like nobody else has like i have custom prints from you in my office and so it's awesome people come in and they'll be like not now because no one comes in but in the past people would be like wow where'd you get that and i'm like angelica made that and you can't have it it doesn't exist anymore she doesn't have files. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's March, it's Women's History Month. We're going to have some really good interviews with women. We are women. We uplift women all of the time. All women. This is not a turf podcast. Um, in case you are new here, sure we are, uh, you know, we swing a little bit more towards the moral guide of accepting people for who they are. Um, <laughs> and FYI, I, you know, I think I'm getting yeah. honest because I read a podcast thread and podcast movement facebook group of people saying what they don't like and what they do like about podcasts which is interesting because it is all podcasters but there were quite a few comments that were people were like if you're too woke i won't listen to your podcast and oh well done don't this come is the time to turn it off <laughs> Just don't. yeah i also like i think like four years ago um someone made a comment that we were too black and also we are both black in case you didn't know and if you think we're too black, then you could also turn off the podcast. And also, all people are welcome. Because for some reason, people think that because we're both black, like other people are not welcome, like onto the podcast, but they are. So please show up. Like, we're happy to have you here. Everyone is welcome. Literally everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, that that is the way the things are. I think, yeah, for March, we are, I feel like last year was busy, but like I was able to create a whole side business so it was like okay well recreate and re-update and re rebuild it really not create from yeah. scratch and this year i'm like so i sleep sometimes uh <laughs> i go outside some days i eat food sometimes like the amount of resurgence with small business owners has been very helpful i know people are saying a lot of things about like the economy is getting better and, da, 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 and that's subjective to where you are and, and how people are as a whole mm -hmm. but i will say i think from a, a side of like we've been doing business for 15 years i haven't seen this 
fire since the last recession. Like this is where people are really serious about what they're doing. They're really wanting to learn. They're very ready to spend the money very easily to just get things done. They know time's precious. And I think that's been one of the main things that people have taken away from the pandemic is time is precious and people do not have time to Mm -hmm. learn how to do all the things. I think in 2008, it was, I saw more of, you know, there were a lot of like uh, people getting job loss. And so they went to go learn how to do things like, become a graphic designer, become a web developer, get into photography. So that's where kind of that resurgence came from in 2008. Whereas I feel like in 2021, it is, yes, I do not have all of the money that I would have. I'm going to take a part-time job and then I'm going to hire somebody to get me through this as quickly as possible so I can get my business going. And that's been a big, and I think maybe it's just an age, like we're getting a little bit older and then maybe those people are older as well. But that will be my takeaway from March if you are a service provider there are people who are willing to spend the money, um, be flexible in the how they spend their money, just be open to it. But I think the fire behind people's reasoning to start businesses or work with service providers has really gone up and it's a lot stronger. It's not as negative or as um, picky as before. Like, you know, before I think there was, you always hear the market's oversaturated or it was just like, I just think the consumer now is smarter and is willing to invest in the people that are doing the work very well. So yeah. And like, again, speaking to like when you're getting older, like it's, it is just one of those things that's like, I would much rather, like if it's something that I don't want to do or I don't know how to do, or, you know, for me, I, I hire people to do things that I know how to do, but they just do them better. I know how to do it enough that I'm like, you can do it better than me. So for example, for the, um, the nonprofit, we obviously have a website, right? And I built the website that we have, but I know that I like the website that I want once our programming is done is going to be, it's going to be a beast. And so I'm like, I don't want to build it. Like I know enough to know that I want someone who is better than me to build it. Right. So yeah, you definitely get to that point. Um, you know, and, and definitely, yes, time is of the essence. And I think that it's like, how do you really want to spend your time? And I know I don't want to spend my time on the back end of that website. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, and I will also say if you have a product-based business, um, and you don't offer any home goods, this is a great time to think about offering them. Uh, because let me tell you, people very much want to buy candles right now because where are they at? They're home. And what do they want? Comfort, right? So think about that in terms of like what your offerings already are. If you maybe sell stuff that is really, you know, you have products and they're great, but they're really only used outside of the house. Think about if there's a way to shift that um, to some more things that would be more considered like in the home goods area, because those things are flying off the shelf right now. People are really wanting to make their homes comfy and cozy, um, revitalize them. A lot of people are just, you know, completely redoing rooms in their houses because we're at home and we're probably going to be at home for at least a few more months um, as these vaccines roll out and we figure out what is the next stage of all of this. Yep. So, I mean, I just want you guys to continue to stay hopeful. If you've been a long time listener, we always are grateful. If this is your first time, um, we try to educate people, have a lot to learn, but of course we always, you know, want to balance that with just being personable in real life. Um, it's a balanced podcast. That's something that we've always said we are. And I think that's how we kind of stand up and stay, stand out, amongst some of the other podcasts that are out there, but enjoy the interview. There is a lot to learn from someone who has had to be in an industry that did get decimated by the coronavirus. Like it just, there's no way to explain how the hospitality industry has 
suffered so much and is now stitching itself back together and has impacted so many different people. And I think our guest being kind of like an even an outside, outside, outside of it, but still so heavily impacted in the way she shares her stories. Um, you know, it's relatable. It's something that I think we all can relate to on some level. So I think you guys have a lot to learn. She shares some really good tips. As always, we want you to bring a notebook and then learn some new stuff. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it for this week. And make sure that you are following along on Facebook and Instagram. We're at Heart and Hustle Podcast on both. And on Twitter, we're at Heart Hustle Pod. Um, so definitely reach out. Let us know how you're doing. Show us the projects you're up to. We always love keeping up with our listeners and seeing what y'all are working on. So we will see you Hi next guys. week. See you next week. Bye. So today I'm really, really excited because we have Monique Garcia of Only One Mark Inc. back on the podcast. We had her on a few years ago. So for those who didn't listen to that episode, Monique, go ahead and let them know what it is that you do, a little bit about you and about Only One Mark. Well, hello. Hello, ladies. And hello, everybody else uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, My name is Monique Garcia, as Charisma mentioned. I own Only One Mark. I am the artist and owner behind uh, the small business. Uh, pretty much, I create invitations and paper goods uh, that are customized to each individual that comes to me so that I can help cre- uh, essentially create a piece of their story or a, a specialized detail for their lifetime events. Absolutely love that. I love things that are custom, like, you know, for my, I saw you posting the other day, by the way, about wow. like people throwing, um, invitations <laughs> in the trash. <laughs> okay. Let me, let me premise. Okay. So let me premise this. Cause nobody's going to be able to see that once they, once this posts. Um, so one thing that I would say is one of like the bane of the existence, <laughs> the bane of the existence of like certain vendors and, and. Um, one of the things that uh, listeners might not know or may know, um, I primarily do wedding. I, I primarily service wedding clients. So, needless to say, this is like the creme de la, like that's the biggest lifetime event that people celebrate. Um, saying that, there are always different little complaints or, or different little ca- phrases. That I, I would say for each vendor, <laughs> there's like a specific one that's like a trigger. <laughs> this is one of them. And, and I don't, and I know, I know that they don't mean to say it. It just stumbles <laughs> out like toothpaste and they can't bring it back in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this, uh, there's been a, uh, a stationer or, or we don't even know if they're a stationer. There's a new account on Instagram called Stationers Problems. And Mm -hmm. literally now it's almost like the AA meeting for for stationers and someone posted and tagged them in their stories. And she made this video and, and the person that, that uh, did the video or did the meme video real, like, this is like the perfect thing. She literally took her invitations and like almost went to go throw it in the trash and literally put, when people tell me that, the invitation is just going to go in the trash. First of all, let me just say, it's not true. No, that is, it's that not. Is that it's is not. I still have mine and it's been over 10 years. Yes. And and let me say, it's not just the, the bride and the groom that are going to keep it. It's parents, you know, the parents, besties, the grandparents. Yeah. I've heard 
people come because they were recommended yeah. from another client saying, I kept theirs because it was so great. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, so this is further proof that no, it won't automatically get caught. Oh, yeah. Totally. Um, Sometimes I just keep them on my fridge forever. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> like, if it's like a best friend or whatever, I'll yeah. keep them on my fridge like literally for always. I'm happy to look at. But mm-hmm. anywho, so literally in the video, they kind of, they show that. Or they say that and they show kind of the physical, like, oh, it's going to go to the trash. But then literally it jumps to a toilet, like (laughs) it jumps to a toilet flushing and saying, this is where I'm going to say your food goes. Because so many people focus on, and and rightfully so, they do focus on um, what they're going to eat that night. And like, it's almost kind of like saying, well, your food is going to go down the toilet. Yeah, you still want quality anyway. food, just yes. like you still want quality paper goods. Yep. Yes, absolutely. And, and, the fl- and the flowers, like the, Stain, the flowers, you know? Mm-hmm. you know, they they only live for a certain time. So, I mean, I hope you aren't going to go and tell your florist or your or your caterer that you know. I that that's just like a. I, I sometimes I let it just slide past, and then other times, <laughs> like depending on how fervent they are in using that like okay no for me I think it's actually one of the few things I still have for my wedding because I have obviously the photos I have my invitations Mm -hmm. and then I have like my dress and a few like different decor items from the day but everything else obviously is like long gone so yeah for me and it's like to me it's also the easiest thing like if you're not a big sentimental like person if you're like I'm not gonna store my dress like I don't need the decor it's like really easy to keep an invitation that's just like it's a lot smaller um so if you're not like really big into holding on to a lot of things I just find that it's like the easiest thing to like hold on to and a lot of paper goods so and even now like uh, one of the things that I'm doing um that I recently made a change. I think I, I changed it last year before COVID. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I started making or specifically putting in a keepsake uh, suite. And, and when I say suite, that is what we consider. That's the term that we consider the full invitation set, like all the cards, all the, you know, if you have a wax seal, if you include ribbon or, or any other of the pieces that are going to go into that one envelope to go, you know, to your guest, that's what we call a suite. Um, and so I will have a keepsake suite. And then I will also include one for the photographers because that way they could, you know, at least in my mind, clients can keep the one at home, go put it wherever it is that you put your most treasured things in, in a box or, or whatever the case until you get your album and you can always get in your album. Um, but at least you'll have it so that you can have it fully and completely, even with the stamps and everything. Like that's how I, I give it to them so that they, so that they have that memory, that physical memory of this is exactly what the stamps looked like. This is exactly what the invitation, this is what the paper felt like. This is what the, you know, the wax seal um, looked like and felt like. So and then one for the photographer, because yes, you know, I could ask for pictures, but it's more so you could also get photos of the invitations. So you can put it in the album should you lose that invitation. So you never forget, because in my mind, this is kind of like, you know, in the classic Disney movies, that one, the opening scene where you see the big book open to your story. And like, that's what I consider the invitation. This is 
like this is this is your way of saying look this is our once upon a time <laughs> and and people coming together to celebrate you guys coming together as as one as one family well. <laughs> so, yeah. here for it love it uh, yeah. i know it's, you know, you know it's a lie yeah, we've gone too far i won't give you my opinions on that but just to move on a little bit since we are if people didn't answer from the last question you are in the wedding industry and we are still in a global pandemic those things exist at the same time uh last year obviously was a lot harder because of all of the lockdowns that had to happen and all the inconsistencies all over the country um but since you are part of the industry but you're physically kind of behind the scenes do you think your business has fared any differently than people who have to vendors that have to be on site and go to the weddings and typically provide their services I absolutely think it's different. Um, my, uh, in the sense that not only, I, I guess I can close a client versus continuing to keep going and going and going and waiting for when the when the couple is ready to have the event or when it is allowed to have the event because that that was the big problem. Um, and for me, it even then I had the beginning of the year was great in terms of where I was probably by February um, because I already had my own timer going off because I was pregnant. <laughs> um, uh, I already had almost like a timer going off of like, oh, okay, you need to have like this many jobs by this time. So like you're good for your maternity leave. And I would say about 80, 70 to 80% went to print. So once I go to print, that's it. Uh, my job is done, at least in terms of the invitations. If they want to do, you know, the extra things uh, for the the day of, like any signs or or any place cards or anything like that, um, that was a deposit. So I still have deposits sitting, waiting to be to be used. But otherwise, um, I think out of the weddings that happened. Last year that I designed for, I want to say I had at least two successful weddings. One that happened at the beginning of February, where we were kind of like, hey, is this going to happen or not? And then one in November. Oh, no, I'm lying. I actually had a November wedding and two December weddings that ended up happening. But otherwise, um, a lot of the other couples decided to either postpone or I had at least one elopement. And so when they're like postponing, basically they keep their original like invitation and the information because they're kind of keeping the wedding the same, right? And they're just essentially sending out like, we've changed our date, like updates. That's what my cousin did. So I'm assuming that's what like most people are doing. That's what most people are doing. Um, at least for those that postponed, there was maybe... I think out of the ones that postponed, there was two that for sure we printed and they got or one sent and one did not send them out. Um, we're going to, I'm going to be working with them now again to at least do, I think it's like two out of the three cards that they had just because their dates completely changed. And so we have to change that information anyway 
But what I did do for my clients was I did create a, um, a digital save the date uh, free of charge because at this point they've already, you know, paid to have a full suite printed. Um, and I just felt like it was the fair thing to do, at least for those clients who already went through the process to give it to them for free. And then for others, I, um, I made available uh, a much, um, a much lower priced digital change the date form. Kind of like what you said, Charisma, that at least let their clients know, or clients, their guests, <laughs> let, 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 let their guests know that things were changing and it was more out of safety and precaution and their care for their guests versus, you know, anything else. Um, and I still have people coming to me asking for, for a change of the dates. So it's been, it's been a rough. And I just feel really, really bad for those other vendors that are there day of because a lot of them, they have to be there. And I remember reading through, um, that's a, that's a big thing I did was reading a lot of the different, like, especially photographers, videographers that the clients just wanted to move forward anyway and do it anyway. Um, and that like, they were, they were like taunted and everything like about going moving forward and 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 doing the wedding like and about I think there was like one person in particular that um they didn't want to do it but they were like contractually obligated to do it and there was no way with their contract that they would be able to get out of it and literally the couple was like taunting them throughout the entire day like guests were taunting them like <clears throat> oh I guess you're gonna get it like it was just mm, well, like because they were masked up and everybody else wasn't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think it's worth noting that you're from Miami, so like, well, if you're tips. listening from anywhere else in the world, like, you're probably like, well, weren't things shut down? But, <laughs> but like, it, in Miami, like things never like really, really shut down. And like, you know, Florida as a whole has has had it like rough, but Miami is really has been that epicenter. I mean, there were times where Miami was like tied with New York for how yes. Yeah. So it was just past New York. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's been really, really, really rough there. Um, so, you know, the wedding industry, like people were not able to just press pause and be like, I don't want to, yeah. I mean, like, again, like you said, like when you're contractually obligated, like it, it becomes uh, difficult because then it's like, you know, some of the, in a lot of these cases, I do believe a client would sue a vendor because they're just ridiculous oh, there was like so that much suing. Like, yeah there's, there was like two there was like maybe two accounts on Facebook uh, or like groups that I would I would stick in just to like see what was going on because at this point um I was at home and since we really had no idea of like like what could happen if you did get COVID or, or I have uh now I have two small children and like at that point I had my at that point like one and a half year old running around with me, I'm pregnant. And it's like, oh crud, like we're not leaving the house. We're literally, we were quarantined before they set the mandated quarantine. Mm -hmm. um, and I say that with the utmost knowledge that I know I had, that was a privilege mm -hmm. in the sense that I could do that. Not everybody had that privilege. Um, so I do want to say that. But for the most part, like just to keep, in tuned with what every you know what everyone else was going through and what was going on I, I you know I would I would read what was going on in these different groups 
And a lot of a lot, a lot of vendors, not just in Florida or Miami, like even in Texas and in, I think some in New York, like there were people that they didn't care that it was mandated that we had to shut down and you could only have like 10 people in your house. Like they had a big backyard and that's, there's, there's, there's a, a saying in Spanish um, that often I hear sometimes my family say before where it's like fiesta en patio de mi casa like it's just going to be a party at, like you know in the backyard like on the patio in my backyard which it means it's going to be 8,000 people yes <laughs> no I like there's parts here in Florida where you can't do that yeah. um, and like and like nobody's nobody will really say anything or, or, or it doesn't I don't want to say it won't say anything but it's it's just it, yeah, it's, it's not going to be reported. Happen. It's not like, it, yeah, it's not at a, an actual that, venue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there was one client that literally had her wedding shut down. She, her wedding was the weekend before the shutdown. At, or I'm sorry, after the shutdown. Literally. It was the saddest thing to me because they had already printed everything. And the bride had been looking forward to this so much. And literally, she was told, no, you cannot have it, period. Um, and when they decided to do it in December, the venue told her, you cannot have the amount of people that you want. Or I'm sure there was some other things that they also said. And it was literally like, okay, and that's what they did. They literally had like the backdoor, you know, the backyard wedding. And of course, it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, okay. That's what you decided to do. Hands up. I, you know. That's, yeah. I'm I, glad that I, you don't have to be in the middle of all that. I'll I, say I, that. I, yeah. I, I'm especially glad because yeah. like even, even to certain offerings, like there are certain offerings I'm more than likely going to, you know, stop offering because either they're expected to, you're expected to go like deliver it or, mm-hmm. and, and pick up or maybe like you're the the client isn't necessarily the one that booked you for it and it's you know the planner is expecting you to do it or the or the or the rental company is expecting you to do it. like and it's just something I have no interest in in having to try to do which is to go and and deposit it and and drive all the way there and then go drive all the way at night and it's, it's, it's kind of insane but um, needless to say, it just it sucks for everybody. And one thing that I I keep thinking, like in terms of like grace, it's just it sucks because you're asking people to, understandably so, but you're essentially asking people to stop their lives, and it's really hard to say okay and swallow it. And so that's at least for me, like my point of view, at least for those that are like in the middle of either planning their wedding or, or planning to start their families or expand on their families. Um, sometimes you can't wait. You can make, uh, you can make considerable changes to it, but I almost feel like you kind of, this is like a gray area. It sucks because I know a lot of people are saying one way, but it's, it really sucks because for me, it's a gray area. Like, 
So switching gears a little bit into something a little (laughs) bit happier, what does the process of custom paper goods look like from basically like the initial inquiry to the client actually receiving their paper goods? Because someone like me, I've only been on like the other side of it. So I really have no idea like what are all the steps and what does that detail look like from the person who is actually like developing all of it? So the way it works is um, I, everybody's step one is you reach out. Uh, once, once you reach out, what I do is I have a, um, a questionnaire that I have, I've tried to include as much as I can, um, for you to answer. It's almost like an introductory questionnaire. And that way you can go through, answer all the questions. Um, so I have all the information and then we chat and that way I'm already, I already have a sense of at least you know, what your budget is, what, what your color scheme is, where the wedding is, what date, um, where, what is your expectation? Because one of my questions on there is where, what do you want your guests to say when they walk away from your wedding and they'll use an adjective or they'll, you know, I, I get a variance of, of what they tell, like the answer received. Um, it could be just one word or it could be like literally a paragraph. And sometimes the funnest ones have been the like full paragraph because they give you the full extent of what they're uh, expecting. Um, from there, we have the call. We talk. Um, I, I pretty much set the expectation of more or less what where the budget should be or, or what the beginning budget can be to at least what the average couple will spend. Um, If I have any designs that I have created already that sound similar to the look and vibe that that you're wanting to move forward with, I show it to you so that way it, it can be really hard when you are getting things done custom to, to fully trust someone with with a product that you haven't seen yet like how many times have each of us probably gone on to amazon looked for something and like haven't clicked put in the cart until you go through almost all of the reviews to make sure and like see how it works and how people you know uh how people have have liked the product um so at least that way they have the in my mind they have the expectation of okay so it may look like this there's going to be changes but it may look like this. Um, then uh, I provide them with a quote. They select from that quote what options they would like to go with. We create the proposal, sign, place the deposit, and then I send within that um, the initial quote. I can put it or I have in there a questionnaire where it will literally have all the information that we need to incorporate onto the, onto the uh, invitation cards or into the suite. And so from there, I then have about three business days to go in, create the invitation. Once I create the design for the invitation, I send it to uh, the client digitally. And from there, it's more of a back and forth email, you know, ping pong. Sometimes it's text message. Sometimes it's a phone call. Um, letting me know, Hey, I really love it. Or, Hey, can we maybe change this? Or, Hey, this is not at all what I thought I was going to like 
for myself. Because it's one thing sometimes to look at things and say, oh, this looks really, really pretty. And then when you see your information and your name on it, you're like, oh, this is not what I thought. Or like, this is not uh, the way I wanted to to come off to my guests or how I want the story to start. Um, and pretty much go designing from there. I take about eight weeks for production. And then I provide the final product so that they're able to send it within the, uh, I give eight to 12 weeks so that they're able to send them out, which is plenty of time in, in wedding world. I want to say in like wedding, wedding timeline, plenty of time for you to send out the invitations without like the full on rush of like, oh my gosh, they're late. Oh my gosh, they didn't get there. So that's what the process looks like. Yeah, no, that's super helpful for especially people end. who may be engaged right now who are listening and, and aren't sure of the process. I think you being so detailed and letting them know what to expect beforehand makes it so much easier and a relief for them and also for them to be like, okay, well, this woman knows what she's doing. So I heard her do my, my thing. That's that's the other thing is like, I I almost feel like a lot of people and especially right now, they're they're wanting to make sure that like like you're trusting someone that knows what they're doing or that knows like the ins and outs and what could happen or or will warn you because not for example not everybody has the budget to be able to have a wedding planner to help them normally at least in my case scenario like reality is majority of people will not use a planner. They may use the planner at the at the venue, but otherwise they don't have that one person helping them that does this literally 365 days a year, you know, days a year for Lord knows how many years. Um, it's usually their families and their, the experiences that those families have had with their own lifetime events that they help, you know, the couple plan this. So... It, with that being said, at least with your with some of your vendors, you definitely want to make sure that, you know, they've been doing this for a while, or at least they've been doing it for a good amount of time, that hopefully they know what they're doing. Because <laughs> um, sometimes they don't, uh, unfortunately, or you'll get someone that uh, could be starting out and maybe they haven't gone through certain moments or certain possibilities and things can literally very quickly turn into like a, an emergency and oh crud poo show especially when you're working with deadlines and a lot yes. and spending a lot of money and then know? the other and then like the other thing is like and especially now with covid it's it's been really difficult because what I would normally suggest, like this is literally happening right now, where I have one client where we're about to go into production and because they're very hopeful that things are going to change by July, right now, um, and to I guess to backtrack, right now in Florida, a lot of the venues, especially if you're getting married in a church, they're only allowing maybe 25% of people or of guests capacity. Of like yeah. The, the, I can't remember. I'm like seeing the sign on the wall. And I think yeah. 
Thank you. <laughs> I'm like seeing the sign on the wall with the number. Um, you can only have 20 or they're only allowing 25% capacity inside of the church. And so, but like the venues you'll use for the reception afterward have maybe 50 to 75%. Um, so that's like really kind of cutting your numbers where they count. Cause the, now you have to consider, well, am I going to do an invitation for a reception only for this guest? Or are they going to be one of my 25, like one of the number of the 25% of, of guests that are allowed to come to the ceremony? Like th these are things that like nobody, nobody could have ever fathomed would be an issue. Um, at least, at least here or, or in my mind here in Florida, like that wasn't something that you ever dealt with. I know that there's, um, a few other religions that you don't necessarily have everybody go to the ceremony. Um, instead they all go to the reception, but for us, it's is like you go to both things. Um, or you may have the opposite problem of, well, we have a lot of people, if they're, you know, if they go to a church and they've been at that church for a long time, you have a big church family, but you can't necessarily invite that big church family to your reception <laughs> if you're having a really, really nice reception. So I, I've had the instance where if anything, you create a, a ceremony only invitation and then give, you know, a small select group like, oh, okay, you're going to, you're, you're one of the few chosen going to both more so, so that like, because they're closer to you. Um, and you, you know, you and your fiance really want them to be there for both things. Um, uh, but it's, it's been a challenge, at least it, I'm sure it, I know that there's different challenges with the different vendors, but it's definitely been a challenge to have to change, you know, how, how we're doing it, how quickly we're doing it. Cause that's another thing is that I'm having to really, really push and not have, not be able to give them the eight to 12 weeks I would normally give and maybe only give them like six weeks to send it out. And when I say six weeks, I mean, like, I don't include the, the month of the wedding. Like that's too late. <laughs> um, I mean, six weeks from the date that you would set as your RSVP date. Um, just so that you're, if you have anyone telling you that they aren't going to make it, um, or, somebody randomly changes their mind and says, Hey, I know I initially told you, told you yes, but things happened and I can't go now. At least you have time to change it. Um, but it's, it's, it's been a, a lot of changes in trying to make sure that at least in it, for me, I'm bending to what we can do for the client right now in this time of need versus like what we normally do. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's amazing. And speaking to piggyback off that, since you're already talking about how you've been in this uh, season of transitioning and being um, helpful and being able, palatable, like being able to just change at a moment's instance, you've been making a lot of these. We've changed our day cards. I got an invitation for a, it was a virtual baby shower, but not like virtual, like in let's hang out and show up in Zoom, like literally just shower this couple of gifts and and, and, and have a great day and pray for them. They'll be fine. So that was a first of my time. So what are some other trends that you may see happening in the custom paper goods world in this new year? So 
So one of the major things that I have been seeing is like in terms of etiquette, which etiquette is at least in terms of, of the invitation. Um, it depends on the stationer you talk to, or it depends on the, on the vendor professional that you talk to. Um, some are, are very, very formal. Like you can go like off that, like very rigid formality of, you must only, you know, say Mr. and Mrs. John, you know, John Doe. Um, right now, I'm seeing a change from going from that really rigid formal um, to almost this like lacks informal and formality where um, – you're almost not even like, how do I put this the right way? You're, you're taking, um, you're taking the invitation or you're taking the way that you're going to let people know about things. Um, and you're doing it in the most minimal, minimal way possible. Um, which I understand. And and I want to say that I, I understand. Um, but it's been like there's been one or two instances where I think things have been taken the wrong way. Not necessarily that I agree with it, but things may be taken the wrong way with the way that some people are wording, I guess, like, I don't know how they worded their, their notice. Um, to like how they were going to, you know, invite you to the, the virtual baby shower. But like, I've had instances where I've seen people asking for like, okay, either just, you know, send it to us and that's it. Or, um, yeah, let's have a zoom hangout or, you know, we, we only want to be showered with guests or, um, I've had other people where they want to have maybe like their closest 10 friends get together to have like almost like a spa day or just like a hangout, but they still want to be able to have people give them a gift and figure out the best way to say it. Um, That's been where I think we're trying to figure out what is the best way to, to bend to what, we're going through right now um and there are some people or some guests that may not take that the right way Um, I I can definitely see that and I'm I'm surprised I never thought of it before but I'm like if I was having a whole baby right now I would definitely want gifts but I also do not enjoy zoom showers like no shade to anybody if you have fun on it that's I great. I just don't, <laughs> I don't like Zoom at all. I'll avoid Zoom like the plague. So I'm like, at, like I've only been to like one Zoom shower and one Zoom birthday. And I literally like, I'll just avoid them if possible. Mm-hmm. So for me, I would not want to have one. But I'm also like, if it. I had an entire baby inside my body <laughs> and got it outside of my body, I would want some presents. So I can <laughs> see where, well, no, but like, you need yeah, the there's that. Like, exactly. Like, especially if it's your first child. Why you're so, having it. Like, exactly. Yeah, I can definitely see where there's that disconnect because, you know, for years, like people have, 
you know, put together ideas of like what's acceptable when it comes to like a wedding and like what, you know, the rules are as far as like, you know, how to ask for things and how to say things. And now we're kind of in this uncharted territory. So how do you say like, yeah, I would really like some gifts, but also like, I really don't want to spend time with y'all on Zoom, but I'll see you guys when this pandemic's over, but like not right now. Okay, bye. That would be what I would be putting on mine. And then we also got to think about the fact that like there are people or like there's, in, in different cultures, there are certain yeah. protocols or there's mm-hmm. like certain like ways that you would do this mm-hmm. versus like how things are right now. Like um, the best example I can give is like for um, for my son's birth, yeah. we, yeah. we had to tell yeah. family that they were not going to be able to see the baby at the hospital. Um, and this was this was pre-COVID. Yeah, this yeah. was this is pre-COVID uh, because of the fact that I was having a scheduled C-section and you just wanted your privacy. Yeah. It was one of those things like, unfortunately we are at the point of, we really want to enjoy it. Like, like unfortunately for them, we want to enjoy our baby, but not only that, like the time that the C-section was scheduled at, it was like late at night or like in the afternoon. I- I'm not going to have you come at night when I'm, I'm trying to like, like, get well and like take care of baby or be with baby um like we can do this another day (laughs) um the fact that I said that at least did not deter them from at least having the waiting room party and going and sitting in the waiting room and hanging out and cheering once they got the notification from my husband hey baby is born here's a picture like they they at least did oh that. so they still came to the waiting room they still they still did the waiting room party wow um because also the other factor was normally you'll at least get to see the baby in the nursery but a lot of hospitals have taken yeah. out the nurse like the go the visitors go see the nursery um for different reasons um y'all do it like the royal family I swear. <laughs> So you studied so, drawing. Oh, you know, sorry. I'm sorry. But at least in terms of you know, culturally, that was that was the thing you went and you did. You went and you sat in the waiting room, and then everybody would go see the baby in the nursery, or then everybody would go see the baby and you in the in the room. But even you know, pre-COVID with my son, that didn't happen for them. They still did the waiting room party, um, but they didn't get to go and see everybody. And then now, when we had our right. our daughter. There was no wait- waiting room party. And it was actually one of the saddest things to see bed. when you walked through <laughs> the hospital. Because there was like, well, it was just one of those things where it was like you walked through the waiting room, like to labor go delivery. to like to uh, the, the labor and delivery. And there was like no one sitting there. No, no random like shouts of like excitement. It was so sad. And then like, when you're leaving there was like no like you didn't have that like have see that happiness either and it was just like huh like kind of circling back you just have to like look at it with the consideration of like you know your people like you really know your people and and just keep that in mind when you're looking to to celebrate any of these moments and someone uh, like a professional will be able to tell you, Hey, I don't think this is going to sit well, or I think this may come off 
mm-hmm. a, a little insensitive or a little, you know, like and especially it. culturally like that. Yes. I mean, that speaks to a lot of that as well, because like, to me, it's shocking to hear like I'm black and Italian. So like, it's really surprising to hear like that if you were like, okay, you're not allowed to come in, that they would still do a waiting, waiting room party. Cause I feel like my family would be like, all right, well, if we can't come in, then like, we'll see you later. You know what I mean? So it's just interesting. Like that's such a big part of your culture to know that like, you know, if you were going to be addressed, like putting it on a formal invitation, you would want to like address, like you're still allowed to come to a waiting room party because that would be something that would mean a lot to them. You know what yeah. I mean? So that's super interesting to know. And, and definitely like culturally, uh, those things change uh, a lot. So especially even, being in Miami, like, and even with like the bridal showers or, or, or even with baby showers, like, um, yeah, some people don't want to sit on a zoom party and open gifts. Like that, they don't want to do that. They're, you know, I, either it's embarrassing or, or they're introverted and it's not their cup of tea or um, even for like the drive by baby showers. It's like, okay, I'm going to wave to you from a distance. Like there's a lot of different things that I think we're trying to do to make up for what we've kind of, what we've lost. I Mm -hmm. I won't say kind of what we have lost Mm -hmm. um, to at least be able to celebrate because it's just, it, it's sad. Well, and I like that people are at least creative and that there's different options for like, you know, like for me, like I would prefer like everybody driving by and just me waving because I don't have to like sit in a Zoom (laughs) and like, you know, like be in that Zoom the whole time and like play Zoom games. Like I don't want to do that, but I'd be like, okay, I can like look cute and wave to y'all. Like that would have been my preferred method if if I was having a a baby during this pandemic. So, (laughs) well, well, no, even for bridal showers, um, I mean, it's, it's just like, it sucks. It's it's mm-hmm. just one of those things where it's like you really, you really want to celebrate the moment, um, but you also want to do it safely. And it's finding that medium mm-hmm. that like everybody can have, like you and everybody can be happy with. Um, I think has been, I, I guess, is like the main thing that I think we're all we're all dealing with and and seeing. Um, but in terms of trends, I, I have seen a lot more, a lot smaller weddings or a lot more smaller gatherings. Um, I've seen a lot more elopements. I've seen a lot more. Uh, what else have I seen? I've seen a lot of people not care. Uh, I've, seen, <laughs> I've seen a lot of people um, decide to postpone and wait. Um, so right now it's just. Let's see. Let's see where we head from here. Yeah, I I think we're going to see a lot of both both ends on 2021. We're going to see people that are doing the micro wedding and like finding ways to do it safe and creative. And then we're going to find people, like you said, who don't care and are just doing like whatever they want to do. So Uh it's going to be an interesting year. Um, But I wanted to ask you because we never ask about like university experiences here on the podcast, because I feel like most people we know went to school for something different than what they actually do, but you actually kind of do what you went to school for. So you studied drawing. Yeah. You studied, this is like a rare thing. So you studied drawing history and film at Florida international university, which I imagine, you know, lends itself to what you do. So what did you learn at FIU that helped shape your career? So this is, this is, this is an interesting question because it's, it's both what did I learn and what didn't I learn. Um, a lot of people, at least in my industry, grow their businesses out of it being a hobby. 
at first, uh, something that they, you know, they do on their spare time. And then little by little, they find that people are interested in their craft. And that's great. Um, for me, I started off thinking that I was going to be an artist that, you know, first I, I went in thinking, oh, okay, if anything, I can, my, my original aspiration was to go be an animator at Walt Disney. Um, and with the, you know, different things that happened, that's not what happened. Um, but I, I stayed on track with the art world. And I remember one of the things that they would tell you was as an artist, like get ready. Like this has to be like your one passion, like your one thing and that's it. Um, like it was kind of a joke and not a joke that you were going to be a starving artist. And I think I learned that that wasn't necessarily true. That that had to be your main focus or that had to be like your main aspiration. You could have other aspirations. Um, but one of the things it did give me was the, I don't want to say the training, but if anything, um, at least someone to guide you both like material wise. And, um, when I was doing my thesis on how I wanted to create my art and how I wanted, what materials I wanted to use, um, I actually, my, my concentration was in drawing, but I did my, my final thesis project was a video and it was an animation, you know, coming full circle. Um, it was an animation of drawings that I had done and I literally pulled the drawings into Photoshop and made a video out of the countless like movement of quote unquote cells that I made um, for the video. And I think that at least got me thinking outside of the box of how I could create my art and at least train me in be able, being able to, to create the craft and to be able to create, uh, my art. Um, now seeing what I'm doing now, Yes, it still has a little bit of that in there, especially when I end up doing a venue painting, which is like one of my favorite things to do, um, or actually um, drawing out different graphics or different details of the design. Um, at least I can at least go in and, and say like, yes, I did that. I drew that. I painted that. Um, and it's a different perspective versus what you may be able to go and see on um, the different graphics. Which is nice. Um, um, I think custom stuff and there. stuff by people who are traditionally trained yes. um, tends to lend itself a little bit, like it stands out, like you said, like it's not just trendy. Because I think a lot of self-taught designers, even myself, like I started out learning trendy things. Like that's how you kind of go with it until you can find your own rhythm or find your own voice. Whereas when you are kind of classically trained and you go to school and as someone who's spoken yeah. at FIU's campus at Newark Camp Miami several times, spending my time there in the afternoon, it's a campus that really embraces creativity in the people who are there. And so I can imagine that while you were there, you were able to just explore and expand your mind. And now yeah. that you get to use these different 
little pieces that you've learned in different ways, it really allows your work to stand out because it does. It stands out to me versus some of the other, you know, stationers that are trying to just do very trendy, you know, traditional watercolor florals, et cetera, et cetera. You really can push the envelope depending on what your client wants. Yes. And like one of the things that I like, one of the things I remember like to what you're saying is like, there would be people that would come in starting off as like, okay, I'm going to be a sculptor. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm, my main medium is going to be sculpting with clay. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden something would happen like between year, like two or three. Yeah. And instead you were sculpting with food or you were, or you were now painting and, or you were, um, you were a performance artist. Like things, things would just naturally happen or they would, either naturally or kind of like things things would happen either in your life or in in the semester that you would realize you know this is not this is not going to carry through my work or this is not going to carry through the sentiment or the or the thought behind why I'm creating what I am creating um like it's not going to work if I just stick in this one bubble in this Mm -hmm. one medium and so you could mix mediums and that that is one thing that um a lot of the professors would would tell you is that you don't have to necessarily stick like yourself in a pigeonhole like there is definitely a way to go around it you just have to really you know dig deep get into your sketchbook and really think about what it is that you want to do um or how or what it is that you want to say and how you're going to say it um and another thing is you get to see uh, at least with my class you got to or when you're in it you get to see people develop from like they thought it was gonna the way that they wanted their work to speak was going to be one way and when they actually produced it it spoke completely differently or gave the quite like the complete opposite of what they wanted to say in their work um and you could have people come to you and tell you like Sometimes it sucked. Don't get me wrong. Like you would sit in a critique and like sometimes the critique would go really well. Okay. Or go home and cry in a box. Like that's, how, <laughs> that's how I remember how it would go. But even in, and I had a few of those, uh, especially around thesis, like the, the time where like you're about to graduate and you're going to produce your final, you know, your final work to be in the museum. Like it's, it's, or in the gallery, it's going to be like, you're going to hear the worst thing that you thought was like the most, um, you, you thought you had the most amazing, you know, project, the m- most amazing um, piece of artwork. And literally like they will tell you point blank, like this sucks. And that's a nice way of me saying, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this is not, this is not what we expected. And this is not at all like what is um, what we are expecting for the final product or in terms of like how you're trying to uh, express yourself, like this needs to get better and it needs to get better very quickly. Um, So you, you learn very quickly to um, not necessarily have a, or have a little bit of a tougher exterior and maybe not make it that it's personal to you, but you quickly learn that like, it's about the work. Um, it sucks because you're the one that creates it and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but ultimately that, um, at least you get that feedback, that automatic feedback, um, 
that at least when I, I would imagine that when you are um, learning it outside of a, of a scholastic um, world, you're kind of, to quote Hamilton, floating by the seat of your pants. Um, and you're, if anything, you're getting feedback from how many likes you get on Instagram. And, and that's not even, that's not even helpful most of the time because you don't always get no you're fine so to switch gears a little bit and we always (laughs) kind of talk about life balance on this podcast um it's been a difficult you know past couple of you know like I feel like years but especially the past few months (laughs) you know we're almost getting there yeah. And like next week, I think it's the one year. Um, yeah. So how do you continue to find inspiration, you know, outside for your work and how do you keep it positive? Okay. This might not come off as the best answer, but this is very, uh, mm-hmm. I had to stop watching the news. I legit had to stop. Like there was points where I had to stop, um, tuning in on social media and um, literally my kids took over the TV. There was only cartoons on um, for a couple of weeks, maybe even a couple of months. Um, and really the inspiration, if anything, that has, has pushed now um, a lot of the work is, is the hope that, um, things are getting better. And with design work, a lot of what's been coming out right now out of the work that I've been doing is just opening the door and saying, I know you've seen this on Pinterest. I know you've probably seen something like that you really, really want, but let me try to give you something that like nobody has seen yet. And it's been, and it's actually been really fun to do and to see the reaction afterward that they're like, Oh crud. I would have never imagined that this is what I wanted, but you got it. And even like with wording and with, um, with the visual design, um, I've tried with certain things. Like for example, um, we, I recently did a styled shoe and, um, it was for Valentine's day and the styled shoe, the planner came to me and literally said, I want it to be fun and elegant, but somehow there has to be a tone I was say, of so Sailor me. Moon behind it. <laughs> I love there it. Has to be, there has to be. Yeah, it is really you. <laughs> there has to be a tone of Sailor Moon behind it. And I'm like, I got you. And she sent me images what I, pro- what I provided was nothing like it. I'm going to have to like send, or I have to post it soon. Cause we just got back the pictures. Um, but it, like I got excited. Like when somebody tells me something like that or tells me, you know, I really want my dog to be a part of this. Cause the dog is our fur baby. They're, they're our child. I'm like, yes, we should like, why not? Like th- things like that have have been the um, the inspiration that has really given me like a bit of spark back in like this like 
dark fog mm-hmm. of whatever we want to call 2020. <laughs> well, and I love that you say that you turned off the news because like, that's not the wrong answer at all. I definitely did the same. There was definitely a time I was like glued to the TV and I was like, you know, mostly I was just trying to figure out like, what am I supposed to do? Like, how do I keep myself safe? Like, what, you know, what is the protocol? Like what I need to be doing to keep others safe? Like, where should I be going? Do I I get groceries? Do I not? How many groceries do I get? Like, you know, I was trying to figure all that out in the beginning, but at a certain point I was like, okay, I kind of know my role. Like I go grocery shopping every other week. I wear my mask. I stay away from people. I try to go early. Like, and besides that, I pretty much stay in the house. So there's not really like, I don't need to care about every single update. And I literally had to tell my family members to like stop updating me with like stuff that wasn't really going to make a, a big difference um, because day to day they would send me like, you know, articles of like doom and gloom. And I was like, yes, this is terrible. But like, it's like, I'm going to see it anyway. It's just on the internet. Like there's no, obviously no way to like completely avoid the the news cycle. But I was like, I don't need to have the news on in my home and I don't need direct text messages that are like about this. So like I literally we have like a ban now and like my mom is not allowed to send me text messages regarding any news because I'm just like when I'm ready to seek that out, I'll seek that out. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just not something that I want bombarded on me all the time. Um, so I try to keep it a little bit more positive. And again, like we obviously have to be aware, but we don't have to be plugged in you know, 24 seven, especially like those of us that like, we still are working through this pandemic. Like, yeah. you know, y'all are both moms. So you have to like be moms and that's like a full-time well, job in itself. And it's like, you well, like, that was, like one of the that. Things, yeah. yeah, that was like one of the things where like, it, it, and it's really hard because I think this is like the first time I'm like actually talking about this out loud. It's, it's one of those things where I'm very thankful that I that I have a support system with my family that they they wouldn't talk to me about it. Like they would not talk to me about what what shutdowns were going on. Um, even to the point of I think like if somebody did get COVID, I don't think I found out until it was shared on social media if they knew. Um, and we did have like one of the things that a lot. I feel like it was almost kind of like you're not allowed. It was almost like this the sense of like you're not allowed to not watch the news or you're not allowed to not be participating. And it was one of those things where I think I got to a point before I went to give birth or like even during the pregnancy where I was just like, I can't do this. Like I can't, I can't watch these things. Like I know it was affecting my son. Because they under they you would like it's it's something where like they understand a lot and they understand people being sad like right now like he he's like he's like talking and and he will tell you even watching Moana like oh she's sad like that or like oh she's happy and they can they can tell they can tell by body language um, they they can just see like through everything, even though you're trying to like hide a lot of it. And I'm sure you can say the same, the same thing, Angelica, where like literally it's like they know what's going on and you kind of have to shield it from them because you don't want them to, to, I guess, have to feel those things or like be, be, uh, 
and not tainted, but just like, like not be able to express themselves fully or be happy if they are happy. Um, and even when we had my daughter, we had some issues, um, health wise with her and that have even been going on until now that like, I literally had to just turn everything off and like cut myself off, even like from some clients and say, I'm really sorry that it looks like I like, you know, blacked out, but I had to do this not only for like, you know, my family, but for my mental status because, or like my mental state, because it like, it's a, it's a lot that you end up taking on as a mom, um, trying to make everything great for everyone. Um, at least that's my experience as a mom. Um, and making sure that you're providing and that, um, you're, you're there for your kids and your, your, your spouse wholeheartedly and, and are able to help them in their triumphs and help, you know, help them in their lows. And it's a lot. (laughs) I, I cannot even imagine, like I've been having, you know, a time taking care of me. So my hat's off to you ladies for having tiny humans in the world um, <laughs> anytime, but especially obviously this past year. So we're all about working like smarter and not harder, especially, you know, with the pandemic and going on and everything and just like being tired. <laughs> so what are some of the business tools that you've been using that are helping you work smarter and not harder? So one of the things that I've been using for a while is HoneyBook. It's a, a platform for creatives. You don't have to be a wedding vendor to use it. You can you, you can be an artist. You can be a, a photographer who doesn't take, you know, photos for weddings or lifetime events um, that sells their work. And it's just a platform where it allows you to um, send questionnaires, send uh, what they call brochures, where you can essentially give them a, uh, a um, I don't want to say a quote, but almost like a uh, pamphlet of, the different um, plans that you offer or or offerings. Um, it also will collect the payment from the client. And also it, it has a lot of automations. It's, it's come a long way from when I was first using it. Um, and it's been helping out a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. The other thing that I recently found was the platform Gusto to help pay myself where um, at least I could, not only could I see what was going on online in a language I understood, (laughs) but I could reach out to them as well. And and they were able to help guide me on um, different plans and stuff, but they also help offer which I think is really great, especially for people. I'm a one. I'm a one woman show, but there are people who have employees under them, and they give the ability to offer, um, to offer different uh, benefits to their client or to their uh, employees. And I think one of them is actually giving them med- some kind of medical insurance. Another one is helping them start their 401k. Another, uh, I think one of the other items that they have that costs absolutely nothing to the employer or to the employee is 
um, almost like a uh, a financial benefit of like, okay, we have this app. This is what you make. You can visually see what you're spending it on. And if you've never taken a financial course um, or like to, um, to get like finances together um, to see where your money is actually going, to me, that's something major because I don't think a lot of people actually do that and are able to visually see. I, I know a lot of people aren't necessarily um, those that can actually see things in their mind. They have to visually see it on paper, visually see it in front of them. Um, this is the way to do that. So they, they have a few great, a lot of great resources um, for employers and employees uh, on Gusto. Um, trying to think of anything else. Um, I've used a lot of Planoly for setting up my, uh, my social media, although it, it was kind of quiet throughout <laughs> this, uh, this time frame. Um, and I think the only other thing, yeah, I think that's been it uh, in terms of tools right now. Because other than that, if you're a designer, um, you already know, or, or a lot of people know that you have um, platforms like the uh, the uh, Adobe programs. Uh, if you're able to, ha- or if you have an iPad, you can use Procreate. There's different programs as well, so that you're able to draw things digitally on your tablet or pla- or our iPad. Um, to be able to help make your craft quicker. Um, yeah, anything to speed things up, I'm all about it. Like, I'm like, the less time I can work, the better. Um, to me, that's like finding balance is finding ways. Like, I love what I do, but I'm like, I also love not working, uh, which is something that I feel like I have discovered later, later now in life. I, in my big age, I've discovered like, hey, you know what's also cool is like not working around the clock. So I'm just always about any of those little things we can do to get through our workday quicker and, and you know, and actually, get to everything else. It might not be business, but it's definitely something that everyone should look into at least is like, I, and I'm sure this is like a, I don't know, this is just like, at this point, I think everybody knows about it is literally target drive up either that or like having it delivered to your home where, um, right now groceries are either picked up from target or they're delivered to my house. And that is the only way that we're going to get fed that. And I think there's an, like, I know that there's different, um, companies that do it or, or have this availability to do it. Um, but there's also another, another, I don't want to say supermarket, but like a vendor that we use that is called wild fork foods that they actually have cut the process between where the food comes from and how it gets to your grocery shelf. And they are the middle, they are the beginner, the middleman and the end man, like, and they have great prices as well as great food Uh, and it's all frozen food so literally you can either go to the store or you can go pick it up from the store or you can have it delivered and it's all it's all within a reasonable price range 
And when I say that, I say under $50. And easily people can spend more than that. And like, it's not just meat. They also sell veggies. They sell bread. They sell desserts. They sell like a whole bunch of different things. Um, I'm a fan of that because I hate shopping too. So that's another thing I would like. I would like to do no shopping and less work. That's my goals for 2021. And we found, especially like during the pandemic, it's either my husband is going to come home, shower from head to toe, so that then he can get into the car to then go to the grocery store to come back, then to like go back upstairs (laughs) or bring everything in. We would have to wipe everything down, him go upstairs and take another shower. Like it was... It was like the biggest mission of life. Um, and I would rather him spend that time with the kids and actually relax when he gets home versus like going through that entire mission just to make sure that we had food in the fridge. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think everyone is finding places to either give that job to somebody else or find ways to do that job without having to physically go and do it, which is like that in itself saves time. Even if it's like an hour, you're totally right. Still time safe. So this has been so great and we've learned so much, but what offering do you have up coming up for only one mark and where can our listeners find you and support you? So you can find me at, I, I'm very, I'm more active on Instagram than any other platform. You can check out my website at www.onlyonemark.com. Um, there you can check out my current offering is change the dates. Um, for those who do have to go ahead and make the decision to either postpone or we've even turned the, or I've turned those change the dates into we've eloped, um, or even you know we've had the baby. Um, it's it, you can check it out there in the shop um, and support me through there. You can also reach out to me if you are uh, planning your lifetime event and need um, the paper goods for that. Uh, I will. I've been trying to do the very best job of keeping updated on on how to best go around that. And also um, one thing I think that like if, if people aren't doing that, like haven't been doing, they really should um, is at least have a community around you to be able to kind of like go and say like, hey, how are things like in your neck of the woods? Um, and that's one thing. Uh, even if you don't come to me for, you know, your paper good needs, like I hope that whoever you do go to does have some kind of community behind them of like, you know, of like vendors um, that are at least all talking about how to make things better for you guys. Um, Because uh, at least from my perspective, um, while I'm gonna say come to me yeah it's 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 one of those things where it's like I I just even if they don't decide to like even if if they decide not to like hire a professional I I hope Mm -hmm. you're at least following professionals that will give you the right advice or like Mm -hmm. be able to tell you like this is not a good idea (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know 
So, cause I know at the same time that even, even now with the pandemic, like if we thought things were expensive now, people think things are like, are that much more expensive, um, because of either, you know, cut in work or in finances. It's just, it's a, it's a lot, I think, but, um, yeah, you can definitely go to the website. You can check me out on Instagram, um, and get to know me through Instagram. Cause I'm sure Charisma can tell you that like, literally I, I post different things to stories <laughs> that like may not be all about stationary. It's like more, uh, it's, de- it's definitely more like f- I try to keep funny or like post about other people too. Um, definitely there's babies dancing, having dance parties. Yeah.